Hello and welcome to the AJ on the Line podcast. This is your Italian Grand Prix review in which we will discuss Daniel Ricciardo returning himself and McLaren to winning ways, a stellar weekend from the departing Valtteri Bottas for Mercedes, yet another incident between the title contenders and more. My name is Adam Williams, I am your host and as ever we are joined by our good friends and F1 analysts Joe and Jimmy. Let's go to Joe and Jimmy and see what they thought of the race. Let's start with you Jimmy. How was your F1 weekend? Absolute cracker. I mean it was a brilliant race wasn't it? I mean you know even by my particularly low standards it was a phenomenal race um so (laughs) so so yeah um it had everything um it had crashes overtakes who said anybody who said that monza's no good for overtaking is talking absolute rubbish because there's plenty of overtakes uh but yeah phenomenal race and we'll get your rating in a moment jimmy but joe you doing well after that italian grand prix yeah it was great um best race we've had in a little while i think so I look forward to hearing Jimmy's 10 out of 10 rating. Was it as good as Hungary? What happened in Hungary? Crash, first lap, corner. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I forgot. I had a mental blank then. Oh, I don't know. It's a, it's a title. I'd say it was probably better, yeah. I think it was. I think it was more entertaining. Okay, Jimmy, out of 10, what are we rating the Italian Grand Prix? Uh, I'm going to have to say a 10. <laughs> <laughs> Is it because of the Italian national anthem at the beginning? Because that automatically makes it at least an eight. Yeah, because it's very stirring. It's an amazingly stirring anthem. Even I want to start to sing along to it and get passionate, even though I'm not Italian. Um, I want to learn Italian just to sing that song. Yeah, it'd be brilliant. But anyway, we've gone 10 out of 10, so it's the best race Jimmy's ever seen. Joe? I'll go eight and a half. Okay. Given that it started at an eight because of the anthem, it can't have had much to add on. But I know what you're like with your ratings. That's still pretty high for you, which tells us that it was a good weekend. Let's get into some awards then, because there is plenty to discuss. There's title-defining moments. There's comebacks. There's potentially drivers losing their seats. It had a bit of everything, as you said, and I think it deserved that high rating so who was the biggest winner i'm gonna start this time because it's got to be daniel ricardo he went and won the grand prix he's had such a hard season so far and then he's gone and won it for mclaren their first race win since 2012 when hamilton left the team and his first race win since he left since he left red bull what a moment jimmy amazing moment you gotta agree yeah i'm so happy for him uh it's fantastic he won but i would probably say the biggest winners are mclaren in general because they had the first one two of the season even with mercedes and red bull in there um which is quite incredible um Mm -hmm. and it's sort of been brewing this sort of success you can see they're doing better and better each year and they've got a brilliant team spirit um and i think mclaren are, are going places for sure and lando norris was really mature in the way that he tried to get a little bit of team orders to see if he could get in front. Mm-hmm. But once he understood that that wasn't going to happen, he was happy to support the team. And he was almost as happy as Ricardo on the radio, wasn't he? He was indeed. And yeah. 
What do you think it is? If you, I know it's a combination of things, but what do you think is the biggest thing that has contributed to McLaren going from fighting with Williams at the back of the grid in 2017-ish, 2018-ish sort of time, to being at the front winning again? I don't know. I think uh, Andrew Seidel's got a big uh, part to play in it. He was the uh, director of Porsche Motorsport at Le Mans. Um, and Zach Brown bumped into him at Le Mans, I think it was, and persuaded him to come to McLaren. And he's got a wealth of experience. Um, and I think that's put McLaren in really good stead. Anything to add on that, Joe? Well, I'm going to second Jimmy's motion that, um, that McLaren are the biggest winners this week. Um, and I think, you know, you just look uh, to answer your question, I think that the whole culture change of the team from the top down has just been so, so effective. You know, you've got from the leadership um, to the drivers, you know. Um, it's hard to see sort of a more positive pairing on the grid. That that culture change being from the kind of clinical ways of Ron Dennis, but mm-hmm. then having him leave, which was obviously effective to a certain extent, but now it's a more human team, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you get that cold clinical approach right, it can be unbelievable. But I think that it was clearly not working. They needed a change of direction, and that change of direction has worked wonders. Um, and as I say, I definitely think they're the biggest winners this week. To get a 1-2, the first team to do that, um, to, I mean, that's huge for them in the constructors. Um, 47, it, well, it would be 48 points, wouldn't it? Because they got four fastest lap as well. Precisely. So. Um, so that that's a huge, huge boost to them. They're back ahead of Ferrari. Um, um, and Ferrari did score quite well with Leclerc in fourth. So getting that one too is going to be huge for, for the team. Let's not forget that McLaren were leading the race when Hamilton and Verstappen yep. came together. And we'll mm-hmm. get on to that big incident later. Uh, but who knows? Ricardo could have still won that. Yeah, yeah. If, if I imagine they hadn't they won that, I'd, I'd have imagined both of them being on the podium still. Yeah, I mean, the thing is that it's so difficult to overtake a fast car in a straight line in Monza. It's, you know, it's so... And that McLaren is unbelievably good in a straight line. Even the Mercedes wasn't getting, you know, close to it, despite the fact that it was fast in a straight line as well. It took Lewis more than 20 laps to get past Norris and that was only because Norris's tyres were gone. Yeah, I don't know how I don't I don't know if Verstappen would have got past because that Red Bull's not particularly fast in a straight line so it would have been practically impossible for him to overtake on track. So, I think we're we're in pretty much agreement there. I know I said Ricardo, but McLaren as a whole, they are the biggest winners and it's great for Formula 1 to have them back on top of the podium. And in second place as well. Can you remember when the last McLaren 1 2 was? Oh, goodness me. Was there one in 2012? 2011. No. 2010? There must have been one in 2010. Yeah. Yep. Was it China? It was Canada. Oh, Canada, yeah. There was one in China, though, as well, I'm sure of it. Yeah, there was. It was the other way around. So, Button won in China and then Hamilton in Canada. But that just yeah. goes to show how long it's been since. They've, they've won a race like that. They were 1-2 in Turkey that year as well, weren't they? They were indeed. 2010. Yeah, the Red Bulls took each other out, didn't they? Yeah. So, so having reviewed McLaren's history, let's move <laughs> on to the biggest loser award. 
Now, Jimmy, I'll let you begin with this one. I would say uh, Hamilton, to be honest. Um, and the reason why I'd say that is because he had more to lose than Verstappen because he was uh, behind him in the points tally. Uh, so him taking, or, or both of them crashing out, obviously, it wasn't good for both of them, but I think on the balance of things, it was worse for Hamilton um, because he misses out on the points and he's obviously behind in the, the championship standings. So let's put this into context. Mercedes, as we said before the race, they were the fastest car. They were favourites. They needed to win, uh, preferably with a 1-2, because Red Bull are going to be faster later in the season. And Hamilton was behind Verstappen by three points at the beginning of the weekend. He had a poor start on the Saturday sprint qualifying race, whatever you want to call it. And that meant that Verstappen could score an extra two points and Hamilton didn't score anything. So that was already going in Verstappen's favour. But you're saying that after their collision at the first corner in which we can discuss in a moment who, who was at fault, but they came together, they were both out of the race. Hamilton was the biggest loser because he fell even further behind and couldn't capitalise on what? Do, do we reckon he would have won that race if they'd have carried on? Oh, I mean, it's it's tough to say. I certainly think he was in a very good position if he'd have got out ahead of Norris and Verstappen. But with that, uh, with him coming out next to him, it would have been hard to see him overtaking Norris again. So, I don't know, it's hard to say. Okay, so let's go to the incident itself then. Hamilton was coming out of the pit lane. Verstappen's coming down the pit straight. Let's remember that he had red mist. Um, he was angry because he'd had an 11-second pit stop, which is slow by F1 standards. Verstappen comes down the outside. Lewis gives him just enough space. But then going into the second corner, which is very quickly after the first, as it's a chicane, Hamilton turned in and Verstappen was still there. He could have bailed out, but he didn't. Instead, he hit a sausage curb, went into the air, lost control and went over the top of Hamilton, taking them both into the gravel and out of the race. Have you got anything to add in terms of that description? Because I just did it off the cuff. I'd possibly say Lewis squeezed Max right to the outside of the track on entry to the corner, which is uh, as turn one. He really pushed it he, so when he it came It was out. only just enough space he left, yeah. It, it was enough space there, but I'd say that's uh, worth mentioning. The result was that they were both out of the race, and as Jimmy has pointed out, that favoured Verstappen. Um, if we look at different people's reactions, let's first of all look at the stewards. They deemed that it was predominantly Verstappen to blame. Hamilton still had some part in it, but Verstappen was predominantly to blame. To blame because he could have avoided the accident by going straight on as Hamilton had done in when, when the roles were, were reversed earlier that race. Um, you also had Damon Hill, for example, saying that it was either calculated or a misjudgment by Verstappen. Um, and he doesn't really want to blame him, but it's a possibility. You had Ralph Schumacher saying that it was a job well done by Verstappen. Now, where where do you stand on this? Paul DeRest is saying that it was Hamilton's fault because he squeezed him. Uh, is 
it's got the, the whole community divided. So let's start with you, Joe. Um, I'd say that it's primarily Verstappen's fault. I think Lewis could have avoided the accident if he wanted to, um, which you know means that it's not entirely Verstappen's fault. I think it's more of a racing incident. But overall, I'd say Verstappen's fault. And I'd say the the three key incidents you've got to look at are the first turn at Imola, the first turn at Spain, and the uh, second chicane in this race at Monza. All three of those were practically the reverse situation, and Lewis backed out all three times. Um, and then as soon as Verstappen... Verstappen's entitled to not back out there, I think, but he's got to accept that if he doesn't back out there, you might well, you might crash, and you have crashed. So, yeah, I think it's Verstappen's fault, primarily. And don't you think it's interesting that him and Red Bull came out quite strongly saying that it was a racing incident rather than going on the offensive with Mercedes, mm-hmm. which would be the case if there was any ambiguity as to whose yeah. fault it would be? Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, he, he's right. Lewis didn't leave him any space, but he's not obliged to, I don't feel. Um, it's... It's Max's responsibility there to decide whether they're having an accident or he's backing out and he chose to have the accident. And Jimmy, your opinion, do you agree with Joe? Yes, I do, for sure, yeah. And I also think that FIA uh, have set a precedent with uh, penalising Hamilton uh, in Silverstone. I it, it, The reason why I say that is because Hamilton was on the inside there, Verstappen was in the inside and uh, Monza. Um, and I think they had to do something to Verstappen because, um, you know, they gave Hamilton a 10-second time penalty. So it was only fair to give Verstappen some sort of penalty. Um, but, yeah, I always get a barometer that Red Bull are in the wrong when they say it's a racing incident. Um, whenever it's a clear-cut or whenever they say think it's um, Mercedes' fault, they're quite happy to say it's Mercedes' fault, like a Silverstone, even though I don't think it was Mercedes' fault, um, and here they're very saying, sort of saying it was a racing incident and all that sort of thing, uh, which sort of suggests to me that they knew that they were in the wrong and Max should have bailed out. Do you think that Verstappen's radio message almost immediately after the crash, where he he wasn't angry, he just quite calmly said, "That's what happens when you don't leave the space," suggests that he knew he was going to have that accident, and he's not surprised by the accident taking place. Yeah, exactly. I'd also say to that as well that it's a very sort of Michael Schumacher-esque incident. Sort of Schumacher-Hill sort of, right, I'm going to take him off. I don't know if he was going to take him off, but I think, I know you'll come back to the the lines of the week uh, later on, but I do think it was a tactical foul. Um, And it was sort of like, oh, bugger it. Spoiler alert. (laughs) Indeed, yeah. I just think, yeah, he exactly... And that was Toto Wolff's suggestion, wasn't it? when he was interviewed after it was yeah and I thought Damon Hill was very dramatic I don't uh, diplomatic I don't really see what uh, what Deresta's getting at because I think his analysis is stupid and he you know anyway I'm not having to go at him obviously or I am but um... no that's fine but but your your point on Hill as I've said already he said that it was either a calculated accident or a miscalculation which ironically could be construed as he's either a cheat or stupid. Um, but you've said that the biggest loser is Lewis Hamilton. We went off on a bit of a, a digression there, but 
I think that's okay. Uh, because we did need to discuss that. Just quickly, I'll go to you first, Joe, on this. Were the Stewarts correct in giving Verstappen a three-place grid penalty? You might have answered this already. Yeah, I think so. Um, I'd say it's, yeah, yeah. And Jimmy? Definitely. We'll move on to Joe. Who's your biggest loser? Um, I'm going to go for Sergio Perez, actually, um, because this is the kind of race where he was brought in to win. He's supposed to be there to pick up the pieces when Verstappen isn't there and even had Bottas out, you know, starting from the back of the grid. So really there's very little excuse for not winning this race. I mean, I suppose you could argue that the Red Bull isn't very quick in a straight line, which is the only thing I'll give him. But yeah, I think it's, it was disappointing from Perez because he should have been there to pick the pieces up and he was just all over the place all weekend, cut, you know, overtaking, cutting corners, not giving the place back and just all around sort of not being there. So, yeah. yeah. Because he finished third on the road ahead of Bottas, but because he hadn't given the place back and instead had a five-second time penalty, he ultimately lost a couple of places mm-hmm. rather than giving back one. So that, That's a bit yeah. stupid. Sorry, Adam. Um, it's a bit stupid from... Oh, sorry. I forget. Forgive me. Well, you're probably going to say the same thing as I. It was a bit silly from Red Bull not to suggest that he gives it back immediately, especially mm-hmm. as Jonathan Wheatley is so good at pointing out what the steward should be doing. It, it was a bit passive rather than active um, on, on Red Bull's part. Um, was that what you were going to say, Jimmy? Exactly. To the word. <laughs> but, yeah, Perez really didn't have an excuse to be beaten by Bottas, never mind um, yeah. not win the race. Uh, so I can definitely see that. And it's it's almost ironic that Perez is performing. He's performing at this kind of level where where you might even question whether it's worth him staying on after his contract's been announced for next season. Mm-hmm. While Bottas seems to be rejuvenated after having his future confirmed. More on that later. Um, so we've said it before. We'll say it again. Do do you reckon that? the performance of that wingman could be title deciding. It could certainly be so in the Constructors' Championship mm-hmm. because Mercedes have moved further forward. But in the drivers? I mean, I don't think this race has had a particular impact on the Drivers' Championship, but it certainly could do if, uh, if you know, you get a situation where he's not, you know, uh, backing Max up effectively. Yeah. and And, say somehow Hamilton had stayed in the race and, and Verstappen yeah. was out, then you'd need P- Perez performing or vice versa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it should be interesting to see how they, they continue because Bottas seems like he's playing the team game, but he, he's almost unbothered if if it doesn't work out for Mercedes because it really doesn't matter to him. He's mm-hmm. just enjoying being in a quick car. Um I really should stop talking about Bottas because I will do in a moment. But I will talk about Pierre Gasly because for me, he was the biggest loser, not due to his performance per se. I know he went into the back of Daniel Ricciardo and he was in control of the car, but had the sprint qualifying not been present and reliability hadn't gone against him on Sunday, he was in a great position to 
mix it with the McLarens potentially mm-hmm. to take another win remarkably yeah. around Monza. And he's he's in a tight battle with Daniel Ricciardo for eighth in the championship. I know that doesn't really mean much to you or I when we're, we're looking at the title battle at the front, but to Pierre Gassi, who's not in a title winning machinery, he's in a B team. That's that's what motivates him, and if he doesn't get that, then he's going to be disappointed. And uh, I do feel for him because we've spoken about how great he is in previous podcasts, and he is a brilliant driver. Uh, he just was unlucky this weekend, so um, I felt for him. So I had to give mm-hmm. him a bit of a shout out. Yeah, no, that's a good shout. Um, moment of the weekend. Then I've gone for. The, the incident between Hamilton and Verstappen, which we've already discussed, but I said to Joe yesterday, and I'll say it again, I feel that the word that Joe often uses, clarted, is really relevant here because it describes perfectly the fashion in which Verstappen went into Lewis Hamilton. He really clarted him, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. No, you're right. It's, it's certainly, I'd say, as a moment the biggest moment of the race because it's just so title, you know, this title defining, um, coming to a crescendo. Yeah. So it's such a huge moment. On that, I just want to find out where, where the word clarted came from. Do you know? Probably stole it off Liam, to be honest. (laughs) So the North is the answer. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Clouted have heard of. I have never heard of clarted though. Clouted, yeah. yeah. Well, he did clout him as well. Yeah. It's an interesting question that we can ponder, and maybe you can look it up wherever you're listening and, and let us know in the comments below. But we do need to pay attention to Joe, who is going to tell us what his moment of the weekend was. I think it's got to be the, the winning moment for Daniel Ricciardo and McLaren. Um, you know, I mean, I think I don't think there's any driver more universally liked than Daniel Ricciardo. I think he's, you know, he's pretty much everybody's second driver, isn't he, really? Yeah. Um, and to see him win after such a such a tough time, um, it's just a, a huge, you know, relief. And it's I think we're all so happy to just see him see him happy. It's so. such a Ricardo t- way to win, isn't it? Uh, go yeah. into it, lick the stamp, send it up the inside, down the inside goes Daniel Ricardo, <laughs> and then he, he didn't know how he was going to win, but he just he knows how to win. And mm-hmm. apparently he was singing in the car on the way to <laughs> round the lap, saying, "I need to enjoy this." But what did you enjoy most about his winning moment? Was it the way that he he looked into the camera in his car and opened his visor and kind of did something <laughs> weird with his eyes? Was it the shoey? Like, what was it, Joe? Oh, it's just uh, I, I I just enjoyed hearing the radio just message, the to be honest. Yeah, the, the whole energy, seeing them all celebrate because, you know, I mean, I said just a minute ago that Daniel Ricciardo has been through a tough time. Uh, McLaren have been through a really tough time of it um so even tougher you'd say so yeah to see see it's just such a good sort of redemption story for both of them um really fitting and just great to see and zach brown's always great value for money when he's there to celebrate yeah yeah always good proper american uh jimmy what was your moment of the weekend i would say it would be tied into joe's point about mclaren winning the return of the shoey 
which is Daniel Ricciardo's famous winning um, celebration, let's call it that, where he takes his shoe off, fills it with champagne or sparkling wine, and then downs it in his shoe, which I just think is phenomenal. Um, and yeah, it, it it's just... How many shoeies have you done, Jimmy? None, unfortunately. But I never won a Grand Prix, so, you know. Would you? I don't know. If Daniel Ricciardo did it for me, definitely. I'd definitely do it. So you're you're saying that if, if you're in, I don't know, in a club and mm-hmm. you've just done really well at something, say you've, you've got your dream job. Yeah. You're with all, all your good friends. Yeah. Would you not take off a boot, fill it with some champagne and have a swig? Mm, I don't know. This is me talking as a, uh, a person who's not consumed any alcohol as of today. Uh, so I'm level-headed and I'm sensible. However, if it was in a club and I've had a couple, I might think, why the hell not, and do it. Joe? Hello? I really want to be there when Jimmy does a shoey. <laughs> yeah, we'll make him. <laughs> so, that was a good moment too. Oh, yeah. My my moment was title-defining, but you can have that any kind of season, can't you? A shoey mm. lasts forever in our memories, so <laughs> I've got to give it to that. Um, let's move on then. I'll let you begin with this one. Jimmy, what was your, or, or who was your honourable mention? My honourable mention would be Lando Norris. Um, I think that because he played the team game uh, and he was really happy to to come second, uh, he tried it on a bit, asking if Daniel could pick up the pace and sort of trying to get the win. Uh, but he soon stopped that. Any driver would, I think, if they're in that situation. They hadn't won a race and they got the opportunity potentially. Um, so, yeah, Lando Norris has been in the team for three years now. He's done a sterling job this year and he's just it's his best um, points scoring um, or be- best position. Um, in Formula One, so so yeah, um, Lando Norris for for being um, a gentleman and playing the same game. And like we said already, he was genuinely excited. He's been one of the one of the parts of that that rejuvenation, hasn't he? He joined just as the team was kind of bouncing back, and he's been a part of that growth. Hence, the car is very much suited to him because he's been part one of the driving forces despite being only 21 years old and he's one of the best out there so he will have his time to shine in the sun but yeah great shout i'm gonna go for valtteri bottas as my honorable mention i would say he was the best driver of the weekend uh, or, or had the best performance of the weekend i could say um, he was the fastest in qualifying, which I would refer to as pole position. Oh, and he should have been on pole position were he not to have had an engine uh, replacement penalty because he won the sprint qualifying. Um, and then starting at the back in P19, he still manages to come back and score a podium, which is what he told his team he was going to do before the race. So... That's confidence. That's a guy enjoying racing in the fastest or one of the fastest cars in Formula One and feeling free before he moves on to a new challenge at Alfa Romeo. And I'm not going to make another pun on that. Um, because to the not. relief of everybody. <laughs> Joe, who got your honourable mention? Um, well, I feel like I've got to mention him because... 
a few weeks ago, this would have been the headline story. But in now three out of the last four races, George Russell has scored another two points. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to mention it because it's gone under the radar this week. But three of the last four races, George Russell has scored points. Uh, hopefully he's turning into a Mr. Sunday now. Well, you'd hope so, because on Saturday it didn't go so well for him. For the first time, he got out-qualified, if you can call it that, by his teammate. Yeah, I don't think we can count that. This is the joy of a, a trial thing, um, but you've got to try these things out and, and then learn from them. Uh, but yeah, great shout. It says a lot about the race that no one really was considering the fact that, that George Russell had scored points because mm-hmm. they were too focused on Danny Rick doing a shoey or who was to blame, Hamilton or Verstappen. Um, but yeah, great shout. I also want to give another honourable mention to the Italian national anthem once again <laughs> uh, because it's just such a banger. If it came on in a club, I would love it. I <laughs> I think that would be the best night out ever if the Italian national anthem came on. In fact, I wonder if a DJ would have it if I requested it. They better. Let's move on to the AJ on the line, line of the week. Now, we've had some good ones as the fallout continued from that accident or incident or clarting or whatever you want to call it. (laughs) (laughs) For me, Jimmy's already kind of set this one up, but I've got to go for Toto Wolf's uh, opinion on it uh, where he, he kind of went on the offensive and called it a tactical foul uh, by by Max Verstappen uh, with a nice football analogy. Um, Over to Jimmy. What's your AJ on the line line of the week? I'd have to agree with you. I think that was a very good summation by Toto. And Joe, what's your AJ on the line line of the week? Um, Yeah, I'd say my line of the week was uh, during the... uh the interviews that they do just after the race. Um, Valtteri Bottas was being interviewed by David Coulthard, asked for his opinion on on the incident between Hamilton and Verstappen, and it just so happens that it starts playing right behind him. He turns around, gives the incident a bit of a look, and uh, can only say, very diplomatically, that's unfortunate. Doesn't want to you know, weighed in there too much. But we can all tell what he's thinking. Nice bit of dry humour from Valtteri Bottas. So, we've done that quite well. But we're going to move on because in two weeks' time is the Russian Grand Prix in Sochi. So Hooray! Well, it's going to be made a little (laughs) bit more interesting by the fact that Verstappen's got a three-place grid penalty. Now, my sensible prediction is that Red Bull are going to change Verstappen's engine for that race. So he starts from the back and net gets rid of the the ill effects of that penalty uh, because he needs to change his engine at some point anyway. Why not do it at a track where he can overtake on the long straight in Russia? Yeah. Um, I know it's quite boring, but that is kind of what a sensible prediction is. Over to you, Jimmy. I'd probably say Mercedes 1-2, the first of the season, um, for the sensible prediction. Um, and my uh, outlandish prediction 
is that Verstappen will be taken out on the way to getting into the points. By who, though? Let's go uh, with George Russell. Yeah, because he's a driver known for clarting people. Yeah, especially front runners. <laughs> Mercedes, Bottas, Imola. Oh, yeah. That's a great Oh, let this conspiracy theories <laughs> begin. Okay, Joe. Over to you. A sensible prediction, please. Uh, that Max Verstappen is going to pull a Valtteri Bottas and qualify on pole, but not start there. Interesting. I'm going to go with my um, outlandish prediction, as Jimmy has called it this week. Um, and I'm going to go for Perez finishing in a better position than Max Verstappen, which okay. is kind of similar to Jimmy's. It wasn't intended to be, but yeah. What about you, Joe? Hmm. I'm going to say fight back of the Ferraris. They're going to respond immediately, and uh, one of them's going to win. Um, Ooh. In, uh, in Sochi, yeah. Because um, I reckon they should they should be all right there. A lot of sort of right-angled corners, which the Ferrari does seem to do quite well at. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to say Ferrari are going to strike back, and uh, they're going to get a win of their own. Do you think in general that Red Bull are going to be a car better suited to Russia than Mercedes? I do think it sort of seems like a good Red Bull track because it's sort of a lot of medium speed corners. Um, where it, um, I mean, there is a bit of a like fairly long straight, but I think they should be relatively even, I'd say, because the Mercedes will obviously be better on those two long straights. But the Red Bull's just such a good package on those sort of medium speed corners. Okay, so that will be intriguing to watch in just under a couple of weeks' time after that triple header. And fortunately, we're going to have Kimi Raikkonen back. That's no offence to Robert Kubica, of course, who's actually leading Nikita Mazepin in the championship, um, <laughs> which is quite amusing. Um not for Nikita Mazepin, of course. I just want to finish off, first of all, by talking about the sprint qualifying. Mm -hmm. Because we've had our second trial. We've had our second dose of it. What are our thoughts about it? I'll start with you, Jimmy. Um, I think it works, to be honest. I think it makes it a bit exciting. Um, I've just got one reservation, or two reservations, to be honest. The first one um, is that it's not suited to all tracks. So I don't think it will be somewhere like Monaco, for instance. It will be no point whatsoever because it's very difficult to overtake uh, potentially Spain um, and those sort of tracks. Um, my second reservation is that I think pole should be pole. And if you put in the fastest lap over a single lap, then you should start from pole. It shouldn't go to a race. So that's the only two reservations I've got. But yeah, I, I really am enjoying it. Good. Joe, what about you? I disagree. I don't think it's that good. I mean, the race on Saturday was pretty boring, I thought. Not really a lot happened apart from those first couple of laps. Um, and I would not be in favour of them continuing it if that was it. I mean, I, th I think the uh, the qualifying format that we've had for the past sort of five years is absolutely fantastic, really. Um, I don't really see why they're trying to change it. I wouldn't be opposed to them having some kind of sprint race, but it being independent of qualifying. Um, but there we go. Here's, here's a point. All right. 
Formula One cars are made for those made for racing over two hours, right? Mm-hmm. To make a sprint race interesting, surely you need to make like change the formula completely, like make cars that can race over those sprint sort of times. Because mm-hmm. if you think about a football match, do you think that it would make it more interesting if the halves were were shortened down for, to ten minutes? Would the players score more goals? Probably not. I imagine they'd attack a bit more, but you know. I don't. I don't know. It's it's an interesting one to ponder. I suppose also um, that that relies on humans individually, whereas this relies on tires and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, my my other thing is that I quite like the idea of qualifying taking place on Friday night. So it's one of those things mm-hmm. to get back it's from okay, work or yeah. watch that. They've they've only had a few hours since practice, but the only issue with that is that Saturday is a bit of an anti-climax. Mm, yeah. And you need to you need to have something going on on a Saturday because it's arguably the freest day for for most people. Now, I don't I I'm with Joe on this one. I don't think that a sp- the current sprint qualifying is enough to to look forward to a Saturday. I'd be quite happy to watch on Friday night and then wait for the race. Now I know that I will watch it on a Saturday because I'm a fan and I know that it could potentially have an impact on the starting positions for Sunday but like you say it's it's just the first stint of a race isn't it and you don't Mm -hmm. often get much interest there until the strategy starts kicking in Mm -hmm. yeah you can't have too much strategy when it's just the first few minutes of of a race so yeah it's, it's a tough one um so you're in favor are you jimmy of it continuing yeah, at certain tracks, as I said, um, it's quite also quite nice for the fans because they get a bit more value for money. So if you go on the Friday, you just don't get to see practice. You get to see qualifying and then Saturday you get to see a mini race. Um, so it's, arguably it's better value for people on Friday than it is Saturday. Um, but yeah, uh, I think that it has. It, the one at Silverstone was fantastic. I agree with you that the one in Italy wasn't as good, um, but maybe there's some room for manoeuvre. Yes, exactly. But what is clear is whenever the third trial happens this season, it was meant to be Brazil, but who knows if we'll go to Brazil. There's going to be a crash between Hamilton and Verstappen on the Sunday because that's what seems to happen on a spring Mm -hmm. qualifying weekend. So we can look forward to that, I'm sure, um, and see whose fault it is that time. So thank you very much for listening and thank you to Joe and Jimmy for your insight as ever. For more content, head over to ajontheline.com and whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or anywhere else, please do give us a rating and a comment. It really does make a difference. And do let us know in the comments who you think was at fault for the incident that we were all talking about. And did the Stuarts really get it right? See you in Russia.